So the big question is this, how do investors like us get access to the ideas, information, and most importantly, the right people that give us the tools and information we need to make informed and educated decisions to have success? That is the question, and this podcast will give us the answers. This is Mark Moss, your host. Let's get this started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. Today we are sitting down with Ramak Sedi of Pluton Mining and we talk about Bitcoin, we talk about mining, we talk about electricity waste as what people say, uh, how renewable energy can solve that, different ways we can look at and use renewable energy for that. We talk about proof of work versus proof of stake, um, security, mining costs and things that, are, that revolve around the security of the Bitcoin blockchain. We also get into some sanctions, regulations, and things like that, and uh, talk about the future of Bitcoin. It's, it's a really good conversation. I was excited to have with Ramak. So here we go. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptors podcast. Today, we are joined by Ramak Sidi with uh, Pluton Mining. And um, he's got a really interesting story uh, specifically about mining. I know it's a topic a lot of people have interest in. It's a super important piece of the entire crypto um, ecosystem. So we're going to dig into some mining stuff today. I'm excited to get into that. And uh, Ramaka, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for giving us a chance to talk about our project and having me uh, on your podcast. Yeah, great. So um, just so we can get a little background, so we have some context of who we're talking to, why don't you just kind of tell us um, a little bit about yourself and, and how you got here into this mining space? Um, my background, generally speaking, is, is real estate and technology. Um, um, I moved to Houston from um, LA in late 80s. I started a couple of thousand units, uh, about 1,800 unit portfolio. I helped. It was a family situation. And then in early 90s, I got into technology. Um, I started a tenant screening service. In late 90s, I built one of the first nationwide criminal databases. Uh, fast forward to about four years ago, I started dabbling into ICOs and crypto. I uh, got to consult with a company about an ICO, um, and we ended up actually just recommending that they do such a thing. Then I got into mining in, in about uh, mid-2017. Uh, I got to buy some ASIC miners, uh, the famous uh, S9s. Um, and I ended up flipping those uh, and got into hardware. Then uh, in, in early 2018, I got into try to mine myself uh, with a company out of, uh, in Atlanta. That was a total disaster. We ended up uh, suing that company in Atlanta, locking the owner out of the data center because they were just treating customers right. And from that, you could see it was coming. I got into a bigger project. I ended up buying uh, about 50 acres of land in Western Mojave. Thought about building a project that's more pragmatic, solves the problem for, for mining. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> you uh, experienced some of the problems firsthand that, that's inherent in the industry, and now you've just decided to kind of go out and solve them on your own, it sounds like. It's, it's an attempt, yeah, correct. <laughs> now, at the time, you talked about buying the ASIC miners, the S9. So for those that don't know, S9 miners are used for mining Bitcoin. And so you bought them. But at the time in 2017, I guess when Bitcoin was running super hot and parabolic, um, you thought it would be a better idea just to sell the miners than it was to actually mine at the time? So, yeah. If, if you're, so let me just say my focus was on, on Bitcoin mining, generally speaking, because the other, uh, the, the other uh, you know, uh, mining situations were not 
optimized for long-term structure-wise. So I got into the S9s, and they were hard to get. This is, we're talking about summer of uh, 2017, trying to get uh, miners from Bitmain, which was the only supplier at the time. You had a full five months backlog, and you had to fight your way to get the miners. I got my hands on ordering uh, about 200 of them, and I had to pay cash up front for it, and it took four months for them to actually deliver. So it was, a, I mean, they were hot items. So by the time they arrived, they were so overpriced. This is late 2017. Bitcoin was hitting 20,000, you know, and those miners, by the time they arrived, they, I mean, they were, they were valuable pieces of, piece of equipment. Yeah. So um, for those that aren't aware, I'm sure most people are um, with Bitcoin. It's a proof of work consensus mechanism. And the way that the coins are brought into existence is through mining. It's a super important piece of the ecosystem. And, and it's really about security of that. Now, I'm curious, Remick, um, you know, with the mining we have uh, with Bitcoin, we have a difficulty rating that goes up and down. And when we saw the Bitcoin price crashing, you know, down into the 3000, well, even at the 6000 range, there was a lot of talk about this death spiral and that, you know, the miners would be losing money. And I, and I think maybe a lot of them didn't shut down. Uh, what did you think during that time? So it, it's a tough situation. Um, I got involved once I understood what mining was. Miners are essentially those computers that hold the distributed ledger records without the miners. The blockchain, the network wouldn't exist. That's when, and then you have the built-in algorithm that, that adjusts every so often, about 10 days. Uh, and that by itself gives you time. Now, these ASIC miners, they use about 1,500 watts of power. To give you an idea, a two-bedroom uh, you know, a condo in Southern California uses about 450 uh, per month. These miners are 1,500 watts. So it's all about a matter of cost structure. The de degree of difficulty adjusts itself based on how many miners are connected. So you don't have to worry about that. You just need to worry about what your cost of operating these miners are. Biggest cost being electricity. So if you're running at a low cost, People in you know, December of 2017 were signing contract to host their miners at 15 cents per, per kilowatt. That 15 cents, you're essentially paying about $200 a month for the miners hosting. That's just not something you can do long term. Uh, right. in, in my opinion, Bitcoin is going to continue to hit the higher highs and higher lows. But when it hits the lows, you need to be prepared for it. And that's essentially the problem. Right. So as the price of Bitcoin came down, the profitability of mining went down as well. And a lot of miners couldn't continue to mine because their costs of electricity were too high. I think I saw the average uh, was around five cents or so. Does that make sense? Uh, when? Now or uh, before? Well, cost of electricity. Cost of electricity that you do mine, five cents is actually pretty good. Uh, in early 2018, when the prices started to drop, was closer to 10 to 11 cents. If you got anything below 10 cents, that was a good price. Then you had Gigawatt who was offering, you know, two and a half cents, three cents to people, which was, I mean, over the top. Uh, all included cost for them that they were selling to retail was still seven and a half to eight cents. So, uh, yeah. And as the people unplugged where they didn't have the coverage, that's where you, you had the problem 
of, uh, of basically people unplugging their miners, that in itself drops down and it will adjust the degree of difficulty, the distribution for the others. So it's a matter of, it becomes a matter of survival of the best, essentially. Right. And, and the survival of the best, a lot of it, like you said, com comes down to that cost. And a lot of that cost is um, dependent on where you're located, um, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. In, in Southern California and New York, I mean, you have some of the highest electricity rates in the country. <laughs> I'm in Southern California. I know in the summertime, I'm paying peak like 40 cents a kilowatt. Absolutely. Um, and then if you have in, in some of the areas where you're renewable, you can get those costs down, like you said, with gigawatt or places that are hooked up to that. Now, the thing with mining is, um, you know, it is super important to the ecosystem for security, but you have this whole argument about Bitcoin that it's a big waste of electricity. What are your thoughts on that? It is, and that's one of the issues. Uh, not enough people are using their own renewable source. Uh, most people's idea was to go find which area they have uh, cheap electricity and try to grab that. So they're not doing anything to help the ecosystem and they try to solve any problem. Yes, it's using a lot of electricity, but if people start to use their own uh, produced uh, electricity through renewable source, that's where you're going to see a lot of the movement and that's where the uh, people are, are going to, the future is going to be. I thought I've seen reports that as much as 80% of Bitcoin miners are already being ran on renewable energy. Uh, well, not on their own internal. They go to the utility. For example, Gigawatt claimed that they use some renewable because majority of the utility companies out there use the hydropower to generate electricity. That's not what I'm talking about. They, you need to own your own hydropower. You need to go out there, build your own solar farm. Why so, you're saying, so you're saying that, uh, that it may be true that 80% of uh, miners are ran on renewable energy, uh, but that's not energy that the mining company is actually generating on their own. They're buying it from a, a power company, which is generating via renewable energy. Absolutely. Correct. That's exactly what I was trying to say. As far as the, you know, the, the argument that, that it's a waste of electricity, I don't know if I agree with that because... I don't believe that there is a waste, right? Isn't energy created on demand? So you're a, you're a customer of the energy company and they're going to supply it for you as you need it or you can create it on your own. But there's really no waste, is there? So let me play the devil's advocate. The, the, the issue is that for utility company, when you're a customer, they have to generate electricity at their peak usage. And if you're taking that and they're generating electricity, the community at large doesn't see mining as a benefit to the community. Uh, it, it, I mean, you, it's not a sector that creates tremendous number of jobs or does anything specifically for the current you know, society to solve any problems. So the way they see it, take an example, again, we can take, I mean, uh, data centers, Bitmain bot or Gigawatt. Gigawatt, yeah, they had the capacity, utility companies had the capacity, but then going in there, taking that energy for, for mining, you're taking five to 10 years worth of that community's electricity growth away from them. And that's where the problem is. That's why people in general see mining as a waste because you're taking electricity away from the community's ability to grow. 
uh, once they run out of peak capacity, then they have to spend billions of dollars into building more capacity. And that's and then, the and then, and then I guess, uh, as they say, right, one man's trash, another treasure, right? So we all value different things. I saw recently there was an article that said um, Bitcoin mining uses as much power as, as, as Las Vegas. I don't uh, yeah, know. I saw something about New Zealand. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's using a lot of electricity. That, but, you know. but, but then you have to go, I mean, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with you that the average public doesn't, doesn't see the value in that. Um, I think for us, those of us that do understand what's going on with Bitcoin, we do see the value. So then I would argue that the electricity that is spent, the money that is spent is worth it. It's worth it to secure this asset. And it's worth a heck of a lot more than powering Las Vegas that a bunch of gamblers go to or whatever. Um, I, I understand the average public doesn't see that, but I think over time, hopefully they will. So the, the years, let me continue to do this. Uh, the way I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to make sure the mining community can see what the average person is, is looking at. In two to five years, all these communities are going to have to increase production of electricity because they're growing internally and a lot of that capacity has been taken by the miners. So they're going to be looking at either the electricity capacity for the utility companies issued through bonds and average you know, resident constituents are going to have to pay for it. Two to five years, every single community is going to have to increase either capacity or end, void, terminate the contract for a handful of companies who are sucking up enough power for one to five million households. And that's the problem coming up. Why would, why, why would the resident of Las Vegas want to approve a $2 billion bond for extra capacity if five miners are terminated and that you know, creates capacity for another million households? That's yeah. where essentially the problem is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm curious, though, you say like every community would have to do that. Um, wouldn't it be, I mean, so one, people think that mining is really concentrated in China. Um, but I guess you're saying every community. So you see it really, the mining becoming really decentralized. Is that So I was actually at the World Digital Mining uh, Summit that Bitmain put together last um, September, October. I was actually one of the speakers there. Um, let me tell you, all the miners from China and Mongolia were there, and they were all looking for new hosting space to move their miners. Um, they, I, th I think that 90% of the miners out of China either shut down or moved out of that space. Uh, a lot of miners are coming on to, to U.S., quite a bit in Europe a lot in Australia. So it's getting a lot more spread and it's not nearly as concentrated as it used to be in right. China and Mongolia. Mongolia was one of the, I mean, I think at some point they were giving out electricity for a penny per kilowatt. Right. So we're, so we're starting to see that decentralization of mining. And then um, I would, you know, in investing, I always say money goes where it's treated best. Um, and I would imagine the same is true, right? The mining is going to go where it gets the best rate. Um, so it'll go seek out those low power areas of the world and that's where they'll set up shop. Absolutely. Um, as a free market thinker, 
I have to always believe that, uh, I always have to believe in supply and demand. Um, now I understand there's government intervention in, in price fixing and whatnot sometimes, but for the most part, there's always supply and demand. So it would make sense that being in Southern California or New York with the highest electricity rates, that's because the demand is the highest. And likewise, the places with the cheapest electricity probably have the least demand. And wouldn't that be where the miners would go to set up and help maybe offset that or augment that? Listen, they don't see, the community doesn't see that as an offset. They can, they can offset it for a couple of years. But remember, again, they're taking away from the community's ability to expand before they have go to create factory, find another way to generate more power. Electricity companies, the, the, the grid, has to worry about the peak hour usage. And then when it goes to off peak, it's not like they can just shut it off. They can reduce the production by 20, 30%, but not by 50, 70%. Sure. So they are gonna go to all those, and they, they've tried. It's not for lack of trying. Texas, uh, Bitmain bought a data center. Kentucky, they even bought it in Winnichi County where Gigawatt was, but they never, ever got those to, to open up. And they saw, they used the electricity, but within two years, they got bills uh, and notices, and the Public Utility Commission's voided, terminated their contract with a 4x price increase. Right, yeah. So um, what you're doing and what we're talking about is that you're looking at mining, but where you can produce your own power. So instead of uh, putting the load on the local um, the local system and making taxpayers pay for that via bonds, you can just create your own electricity through your own renewables, mostly through solar. Exactly. And the, the trick becomes the peak hour production. So the, the way we try to solve this problem is being pragmatic. If you go all solar, it's too expensive because at night you don't have solar. Battery storage is too expensive still. And if you go all grid, you're going to run into a problem two to five years after starting. So what we, we, we did is that we're going to produce our own electricity for peak hour in the best area of the world for this purpose. We're sitting in Western Mojave in the 90 percentile of solar rate for electricity production, cool weather. Again, this is Western Mojave, not the Mojave Desert everybody has in mind. And then at night, we become partners with the utility companies. Southern California Edison, one of the most expensive electricity uh, you know, companies in, in the world, as you mentioned, they, are, they listed price for volume uh, retail on commercial for off-peak is two and a half cents per kilowatt. And they want to get rid of that excess capacity because they don't know what to do with it at night. So let's talk about some of the opportunities that are in mining. So, um, for example, you have anywhere down from a single person could buy a mining rig and set it up in their closet all the way up to um, giant institutions setting up, you know, billion dollar facilities. Um, where do you see the opportunity? I mean, do you really think there's a good opportunity for individual people to get in or really uh, is it really more reserved for big institutions or can everybody participate in some capacity? What are your thoughts there? Um, I, I think there's going to be opportunity for both. You're going to see a lot, especially for the, for the ASICs. Uh, you're going to see a lot of structured, uh, basically, uh, from the big, big money. And you're going to see smaller opportunity that are going to come from, let's take Venezuela, 
in, in, in that case, there's a lot of individuals basically running using the, 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 the mining as extra basically income. So there's going to be a combination of the two, in my opinion, moving forward. You're also going to see with renewables, you're going to see areas that are underdeveloped that are going to use more and more uh, renewable energy to, for, for production of the mining. Take areas uh, uh, that are in similar situation like Venezuela right now with high inflation who have solar. There's no reason why they wouldn't be able to use that, that energy to do mining and generate uh, you know, uh, income for the community to help the community. I think that's where the future is going to be. So you think there's still opportunity for the little guy to have one or <laughs> a few machines and make a profit all the way up to if big institutions wanted to get in? Long term, there's, there's opportunity for everybody. This is not a short term. Long term, absolutely. Now, are you only focused on Bitcoin or do you look at other coins as well? So at this point for this particular project, we're just focused on Bitcoin because it's structured. As you mentioned, it's, it's already into the ASIC world. There's no change. It's on, based on proof of work. Uh, there's no rumors of changing that. Nobody can tweak with it too much. So for long term, if I'm going to invest X amount of money of my own money, and I want an area that's basically guaranteed for the next 25 years, I can make long term predictions. And that's why we're focusing at this point strictly on, on Bitcoin mining. Right. Yeah. As you mentioned, um, they haven't said anything about moving to a POS, nor do I think that would ever even become a reality. However, it is a reality for a lot of other coins. Uh, you know, Ethereum has been talking about switching yes. over for quite a while. And it seems like most new projects coming out today are all POS. Um, do, do you see that as well? And does that worry you for like long term, you know, ability? Uh, not for Bitcoin. I don't see that happening. There's just too too. So you think you'll be fine just focusing on Bitcoin and not having for to Bitcoin at this point? Yes. The other ones, I mean, there, there's arguments to be made on both sides for you know proof of stake or proof of work. But uh, yeah, uh, for proof of work and bit, Bitcoin, uh, I'm comfortable uh, moving forward where I can see future in this uh, aspect of the mining with uh, proof of work for the next 20, 30 years. Right. What about um, regulations? So, I mean, we have, we're seeing just kind of more and more regulations. Uh, we're seeing the U.S. being, and, and most of the developed countries, I guess, the U.S., Europe, et cetera. But the U.S. is kind of being uh, a little bit tough on regulations. We've seen with the big Facebook news that came out and whatnot. Um, they really want to control the on-ramps and off-ramps for sure. Um, how, how, does, uh, how does that affect mining? Because you're basically creating it from nothing. Um, they can't trace that trail, et cetera. What do you think about that? So um, I'm going to say something that's not too popular in crypto. We need some, some regulation. We don't need regulation like they have in India. If you touch crypto, you're going to end up in jail. But so what, what do we need and why? Listen, I, I don't think if, if you're a 16-year-old and you come up with a wish list and you label it a white paper, you should be able to raise... 12, 13, or 
$100,000 without some consequence to you if you don't deliver on what you promised. I can agree with that, yes. On the other hand, you shouldn't go after a company like, take Facebook for example. They need to do know your customer. Everybody says, just because you're a member of Facebook, that doesn't mean. But as it stands right now, from what I understand, if you raise money uh, through a token offering, even 1% of that money goes into either expanding your current infrastructure or operation or into getting into new ones. It wipes the utility condition away from that offering. So SEC is going to come after you because it becomes instantly a securities offer. That to me is the other extreme. Yeah. I think when it comes to raising money, that seems to be pretty black and white. You know, now what we've seen is these companies, they're raising money for their private company and then they have a separate token offering where they're not raising money. Um, so I think that's clear. I'm more concerned with, you know, in, uh, you talked about built your facility in California and I'm in California as well. <laughs> and we had a representative uh, Sherman come out and say what a month or two ago and say specifically quote, um, we need to ban U.S. citizens from owning cryptocurrencies, um, you know, and so and I talk about just like those regulations that could um, specifically um, getting into the on and off ramps um, in the KYC. And I'm just wondering how that affects mining, though, because um, you're creating it. You're not buying it. <laughs> but are you are you seeing any of that or you don't think that's really getting into the mining side of things? So the, the irony of our project, we sit property line to property line to a gold and silver mining operation. Huh. It's pretty ironic. Yeah. It's, this is no different than them. They're digging gold from the ground. They're generating gold. If they hand that gold out to somebody, they should know who they're handing it to. Same thing with crypto. If we're generating crypto and we're handing it to somebody, we should know who they are. We should do our, our, you know, know your customer, MLA, and so forth for if we're handing that out to somebody. So that regulation has to be there. But Sherman's idea, that's the other extreme. No U.S. citizen should touch crypto. I think one thing crypto has demonstrated is, is how many of these people who we thought were pretty smart have no idea how cryptocurrency works what it is, what blockchain is, and how little they have capacity of accepting that they may not know. I've been involved in this thing for four years. I'm, I'm a newbie by all measures. And I've done technology, I've done all these things. Uh, but I also know, I probably don't even understand 50% of it. For any of these people to think that they have a couple of advisors with whom they spend five minutes to explain something so broadly, and then they come up with such a black and white decision, no U.S. citizens should touch cryptocurrency, that's just not right. Yeah. It's, it's not right. I, I agree on I agree with that, you know, and, and you can see uh, the policymakers, the legislators, they're usually pretty old. And um, this is a new technology for young people, right? So that's a that's a problem in itself. However, in his case, 
uh, he understands exactly. And he quoted it and he said, the reason why is because it undermines the US dollar and the US, that's a security problem. <laughs> and, if, and the US dollar could lose its ability to sanction countries like Iran, he called them out specifically. So he actually kind of gets it. Um, and he's afraid of that. We saw Christine Lagarde from the IMF. She said, quote unquote, um, we need to stop innovation because it threatens to disrupt everything. And so they get it, right? They're like, whoa, whoa, we can't have this because it's going to ruin everything that we have. But that's the whole point, right? That's so-, so for Bitcoin, it is. But if they understood it, they would be working on trying to use the technology blockchain for things that, I mean, voting, property ownership, car registration. It's Everything. like blockchain yeah. was just meant for those. I mean, imagine everybody's complaining about their voting fraud. Who's, you know, people are voting two or three times. If you put the whole thing on blockchain, you're done. Nobody can do it. It's immediately there. And that's why I, I have to applaud the state of Delaware. They're moving forward with that. They have a law that now a corporation can issue shares on the blockchain and it has to be on the blockchain for everybody to see and verify. Those are the approaches they should be taking. Uh, you know, they understand, and I'm sure somebody has handed them some sort of a boilerplate of what it is. Yes, it undermines the the U.S. dollar, but that should say something about the U.S. dollar, first of all. <laughs> yeah. Second, you should be working with it. If they think they can stop blockchain, Bitcoin, and, and the majority of these, that's why I say they don't understand it. You and I know there's no way. Look at China. They've tried to, to stop it. They, it's just not possible. It's not possible. And, uh, you know, we can see how well the U.S. has been able to stop the flow of drugs. <laughs> that hasn't worked so well. And, and the other problem is, you know, like he said, Sherman said specifically, um, it takes away our ability to slap sanctions on Iran. So what does Iran think about the, him saying that? Well, Iran's like, really? Well, that's great. Then we want it, right? And so you have these couple countries that, that, that oppose it, but the rest of the country's gonna, the world is going to embrace it. And so uh, it's, it's very interesting. And um, I don't like to predict things, but it's definitely something to, uh, to pay attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, uh, where uh, just was for the-, the record, let me just add to that. I am from Iran. I'm Iranian. And I actually gave an interview for publication in Iran. So, uh, you know, it's, the, yeah, it's, you're a hundred percent right on that aspect. Oh, well, uh, I, I should have uh, asked that earlier. So that's interesting. So, um, you know, I've had several guests that are international that have been lived in one or two countries, come from other countries, um, which I think is great because it gives you this, this bigger, broader perspective where, you know, a lot of people in the U.S. are, are very kind of closed-minded, haven't really traveled a lot. And I always have to remind people that this is a global thing. And so coming from another country, um, it really gives you that perspective. So I'm curious... Um, coming from Iran, um, do you see this differently? I mean, do you, how are they looking at this? Do you have any idea what they've been doing as far as their own regulations and how they're viewing it? I'm not very familiar from the inside. And I've, I've been around uh, the, the few countries, lived there. I moved to the U.S. twice. Uh, I grew up in France. I spent my teen years there. Um, I, I met a few people, a, a couple of reporters at the, uh, world uh, the the bitmain had world uh, 
diesel mining in Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, from what I understand, they, I mean, they, they have some cheap electricity, but from everything I hear, they're running to the same problems as everybody else is because, again, the country was giving. Uh, in those countries, the utility companies are government-owned. They're not private. So right. they were giving the electricity out uh, to, to do these things, and now they're going back, giving those, putting those people out of business as well. So it's the same cycle over and over. Uh, you know, it's a catch-22. They are implementing regulation. It is not really helping them to, to bypass the sanctions uh, uh, in, in a sense that puts a dent in it. But yes, there, it is a loophole, if you will. Yeah. So um, I'm curious to know, what is, your, what, what is the, the thing that has you the most excited about this space in the near term, um, maybe in regards to mining or something else? Like, what do you, what do you see coming down that you're, that you're focusing on and you're excited about? Um, I, I think it's, it's opening up the door, bringing on these politicians who don't believe in, in, in blockchain and they're more focused on those aspects or, you know, it's helping Iran bypass sanctions versus how can I get involved? How can I make U.S. a better country, our system a better system by implementing blockchain? Um, I know there's a company out here in Santa Monica that's working on, uh, on a network of voting uh, on, on a, uh, not exactly a blockchain, it's a semi-private structure that they're working on. Those are really the parts that really gets me excited is to see how it's gonna help the general public and, and all the other aspects of the way we live, just like the internet did. I, I'm a dinosaur in this space, I'm 52 and I think uh, most people I meet are less than half of my age. They haven't experienced firsthand how the internet changed the way we live. I remember building my, having my first business card, handing it to people, and I had an email and a website on there, and they're like, what is this again? <laughs> so yeah. uh, this is the same thing. This is going to change us. Uh, I think uh, the voting, car registration, public ownership, property ownership, those are really, really exciting aspects that shows the general public how this technology can change the way we live a thousand times more than the internet did. And you just hope it's all going to be built on the uh, Bitcoin, right? Well, no, Bitcoin won't be able to handle those things. Bitcoin is going to be, in my opinion, the gold standard. I mean, gold is there, but there's other things. You don't go buy gold you know, at, at Starbucks, pay them in gold. But gold is there. It's it, well. That's because gold, gold is a layer one base settlement layer. But you build payment rails on top of that, um, and and I think with layer two and layer three stuff we're already seeing on Bitcoin. Eventually, it yeah. could get there. Um, it's going to be the most secure chain in the world. So I think eventually it's going to at least handle all the high value stuff. And the, being there a Bitcoin miner like yourself, I would, I would love think, to. I would love to. There are a couple of side chains that are being built to address that. Um, it's it's going to be a longer project, in my opinion. You're going to see some of those others on, on, a, on a sideline. You're going to see some excite, exciting, but they won't be the ones where you, you process millions of transactions per second. This is going to be more of an overall structure, data keeping and things like that with the new side chains that are coming on board. Right, right. 
All right. Well, good stuff. Uh, really good information about uh, mining and uh, really thinking about the power of the renewable. I can definitely see, you know, one of the, th one of the things that can really affect the security of, of Bitcoin is if miners have to stop, if they capitulate. And so being able to produce your own power um, definitely takes some of that away. So that's good in the long run. Um, so where would people uh, be able to keep up with you if they want to follow you and get more info? They can go uh, sign up on plutonmining.com. They can also look us up on any of the social media platforms with the handle Pluton Group as one word. And Pluton, to just give you a quick background, this is a Pluton, P-L-O-U-T-O-N, and it's the, uh, it's, it's the Greek god of wealth and finance. And ironically, the irony in this is pretty interesting because it was Pluton, P-L-U-T-O-N, but that God apparently got banned in the Greek, uh, you know, uh, I guess, uh, terminology. And they changed the name to Pluton, P-L-O-U-T-O-N, to bypass, in a sense, regulatory sanctions, which is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. All right, well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank it's been you. great talking to you, and uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you later. Thank you again for having me. Hey, if you like this episode of the Market Disruptors podcast, please help us take this to the top of the podcast charts. Just please do me a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. Taking 15 seconds to just leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us reach more people and disrupt more markets. I really appreciate you listening, and I'll see you next time on the Market Disruptors podcast.